Thank you. It has been a joy for me to be with you already some of you yesterday on this morning with some of the youth. When my wife is with me, she says to me, when you begin to speak in the United States, she gave me a sentence I'm supposed to say which helps. So you will probably notice that I have a very slight French accent. <laughs> That's the sentence Sandra asked me to say to help you to tune in your ear to my foreign accent with the hope that it helps you to understand what I'm saying. So it's kind of initial words because I do have an accent. And it's a joy for me to be here with you. We are missionaries with the Church of Nazarene, which means if we, fi we can function, if we can fly, and we have to fly to many places because my task is to be overseeing the theological education on the clergy development, we call that, in a few countries. N not so many, just between the UK and Bangladesh and all in between. <laughs> so it's all the color countries, so you have all the East countries, India is just about one, one billion people, uh, Russia, Europe, so it's a lot of countries. And of course, you can imagine, I have no idea what I'm doing in many cases, I'm just learning. But we try to do our best, and by God's grace, to encourage people to be good pastors. What does it mean to be a good pastor? Well, I'm not very complicated. I would say if you are well rooted in scriptures, you're good. But now here's the trick. Sometimes we confuse being well rooted in scriptures with saying that the Bible is important. I have people sometimes that tell me, yes, the Bible is important. I am a little like James. You know, I say, okay, show me. What do you do with scriptures? How much time do you spend in scriptures every day? Okay. Then I ask them, I will not do that with you because I try to be nice, but when a people train for ministry, I said to them, okay, let's check a little bit how serious we are, you are with scriptures. Which is the gospel you like the most? And then the people realize they are in trouble. So I said, okay, let's take the simple one. Let's take just Mark, only 16 chapters. Don't tell me that you know that Jesus was born, baptized, that he ministered, that he died on the cross for us sinners, and that he's resurrected. That a three-year-old killed already knows. Okay, so give me some meat. For instance, let's pick one chapter. Let's go for chapter Mark 8. Don't open the Bible. I don't want to check your reading. I just want to check what you have learned in your meditation of the teachings of God. What do you have in chapter 8, for instance? Oh, it's not necessary. We are not in numbers. Okay, don't use numbers. And just tell me, in the middle... What are the key stories, for instance, how does Jesus in Mark reveal that he is the Messiah, and what are the talks with the disciples? And I'm sorry, I don't want to be rude, you know. I'm the French, we are almost like the American people. When we want to challenge people, in the US, you say two or three positive things before giving a criticism. Do you do that? Well, it's good because the French, we are almost the same. 
there is only a very slight difference. We don't say the three positive things. <laughs> so I'm learning, I'm adapting to cultures. What I'm speaking to you about is for training people, we need to be serious in knowledge of scriptures, not only to have scriptures as an identity marker. You know what is an identity marker? It's a kind of short sentences we say Amen. You will have many people in, in the world who when, when you say are scriptures in, important, they will say Amen. Oh, great. What about their impact on our lives? First, there is a knowledge. For those who know me, it's the left brain stuff. You need that. You need to have this knowledge. But then I ask them, do you do what you see in scriptures? Because in scriptures, if you have noticed, from the first chapters up to the end, you see people speaking with God. Have you noticed that? Have you seen how Adam, he's walking with God? And talking with God? Have you noticed that? I know it's not very easy to see. We have to really study very hard to know that. Did you notice the last books? Are from, the last book is from the Apostle John. It's a whole book of things Jesus said to the Apostle John. A whole book. You will tell me, you know what? That was in the day of the Apostles. Today, it's not the same. We don't have the miracles. That Jesus does not speak to us. We just pray hard and we get a call from God when we have to be a pastor. Those of you who are not pastors, God is not interested in you guys. He's just interested in the ones who will become pastors so the church survives, okay? Of course not. You know, it's stupid to speak like that. But you know what? Sometimes we believe that kind of stuff. We forget that we have a living God. Do you believe in a living God? Or do you believe in a dead God? What kind of God do you have? Do you believe in a God who says, you know what? I worked very hard with generations of people to teach them what they need to know in scriptures. Now I am tired. It's my Sabbath for 20,000 years. You read my good book, but don't bother me please. Is it the God you believe in? Or is it the God who, let's say, who said with Jesus, I will send the Holy Spirit so that he will teach you one or two things once a month. Do you know this verse? I will send the Holy Spirit. He will teach you all things. Did he say, I will send you the Bible you will memorize it and I will be happy. No. I happen to have memorized big chunks of the Bible because it's a very important part. But the Bible does not replace God. You know that. Which means we need to know scriptures. And I'm serious about it. Don't come to me saying, yes, scriptures are important. And you have not been serious. Let's be serious. And when I say serious, it has to show. You need to be able to tell stories of Jesus. In the, like in the days of the apostles. They would be able to tell you stories of Jesus. Oh, you remember the story when Jesus was walking and then there was this 
lady, she was a Syrophoenician, she did not, was even a Jew. And her daughter is demon-possessed. And she comes to Jesus and she says, you need to be able to, to tell the stories. That's the minimum. If you were in the time of Jesus, and I would challenge you. And Jeff, have you noticed I'm a little challenging? Just a little bit. <laughs> I try to add the nice words once in a while to adapt to cultures. As we learn and we train pastors, what we realize is we have to train people because God is not interested in one person in a congregation. He's interested in the church, in his people. He's interested in everyone. And as we learn and we walk together, we have to be based in his teachings. We have to be based in a relationship with him, a real relationship. Do not say, I have a relationship with Jesus without developing this two-way communication. It's needed. How can you be in a relationship with someone you don't communicate back and forth? Can you do that? No. That's what this ministry is about. This fullness of the Spirit. Do you know the Nazarene Church speaks of holiness? Did you notice this one? Holiness is about being separated for God. Separated for all the, from all the bad stuff. Which means obedience is not an option. But it's to be with God in His love. Oh, Jeff, you put all these verse about love. That's, that's enough. Of course, no. It's, it's the heart of the message. So, let me show you more about the kind of ministry you do. We do. May I ask you to show? The, this is a book we, which will be published on, uh, out in two weeks, about two weeks. It's, some of you know the NMI books that you receive in Nazarene churches every year. That's one of the three for this year. I, I happen to be the author. Maps Beyond Geography. Helping you to know how do you memorize scriptures with graphic maps so that you can know scriptures? And I try to challenge, but I don't challenge one person. I'm challenging us together because knowing scripture is important. When we pray, the, our capacity to discern what God says is directly connected to how well we know the stories of scriptures. If you don't know them well, it's more difficult to discern the will of God. That's why when people in the Old Testament, God speaks to them, do they dance or are they terrified? Often they are scared to death. Look at the story in Daniel. Look at the stories in many places. Oh my, they think... Why? They even say, if you see God, you die. It's only as you learn to know God, and scriptures are wonderful for that, that you are able to relax, to know, oh, I know how God works. Through Jesus, I realized I don't have to be scared anymore. As long as I walk with Him. As long as I walk with Him, on how to learn to walk with Him. So this book is to show you one way to help your memory to function well. May we move to the next one? Here is a graphic we have used in more than 50 countries that I've developed. I'm struggling with memory. I have a hard memory and 
I love scriptures very much. You have to understand I was an atheist for 25 years. The first time in my life I touched the Bible, I was 20 years old. And it was the beginning of a love story. A love for God and for His Word. His written Word and His living Word. So I began to memorize, but I was not good. You know how hard it is? You memorize verses and they go in and they go out. And when they stay in for a week, you don't repeat for a week on what happens. They're out again. It's like you try to fill a bucket and it has a hole at the bottom. You know, it's tiring. Well, with graphics, you can put a patch so that there is no more hole. But you like that when you fill your bucket of verses, they don't leak out or they don't leak out as quickly. Would it be a good idea? So I have a patch for you. Graphics, your memory is mostly visual. If you can connect to visual memory, you will remember better. So that your prayer life, your life with God, will be stronger. And you see the connection? Your knowledge of scriptures, of theology, of faith, your prayer life. And by the way, prayer is not me and my Jesus. I'm alone, I'm cut from the world, the world is bad. It's I pray so that I speak to God and God speaks to me. Because he has stuff he wants me to do. Often we think prayer is about saying what God has to do. And yesterday I asked a few questions. I try to, to develop kind questions as I'm a French, a little challenging people. So I have a few nice questions. In a relationship between a master and a servant, who speaks the most? The master or the servant? What, what did you say? The master, okay. In a relationship between a teacher and a student, who speaks the most? Teacher, oh great. In your relationship with Jesus, who is the master and teacher? Jesus, okay, great, I love it. When you pray, who speaks the most? I will cite a verse because I'm respectful, you know, I don't want to challenge you. So I will just cite you Matthew 6, verses 7 and 8. Do not pray like pagans who multiply their words hoping to be heard. Do you like these ones? I. How do we spend time in prayer without multiplying words? There is only one way. We learn to dialogue with God, to let Him speak to us, Meditate his teachings. Invite peace in our hearts. And to walk with him. And it's real. And it is real. In my journey, I'm the intellectual type, okay? So studying a lot, memorizing many things. And it has been a journey. God had to stop me in my tracks. In our missionary work, lead me to complete failure with Sandra this superior missionary who is here after six years of very strong and hard work as a pastor in Reunion Island, this tiny church which was only 20 people, after six hard years, it was six people remaining. Do you want me to train your pastor Jeff? (laughs) I began to wonder what's the problem. 
And I realized I had one problem. You know that John Wesley is important for the Nazarene church on many Christians because he's a very good example. In general, we keep from him only what we like. We keep his theology, his rules, and we forget a detail. Do you know how much time John Wesley spent in prayer every day? This busy man who wrote many books, who was a leader for a whole spiritual movement for, which transformed the nation of England and UK. Do you think he spent five minutes in prayer every day? He spent four hours a day. Four hours a day. That's long. So this prayer life is very important. How to, fi- to feed this prayer life? I would give you a, like to give you a small example with a little graphic. You see this graphic on the screen? It's called the Articles of Faith. We can teach that to any Christian. I teach that sometimes to Hindus on airplanes or to atheists and I lead them to pray. Yes, I lead them to pray. It's fun. Because prayer is this heart sensitivity to the Spirit of God. And this graphic has been translated in more than 50 languages. It happens to be the most translated Nazarene piece of uh, literature. And we are working even on videos with uh, headquarters in Kansas City and with this little graphic you can learn the basics of the Christian faith this will be this card added to the NMI books that you will receive very soon hopefully some of you will be interested to learn a little bit more about this weird stuff I'm speaking to you about today and I would like to show how it plays with pictures you can teach deep lessons I will just pick one for this morning. One of the theologians I really enjoyed was William Greathouse. And in our Nazarene denomination, we have tended to emphasize which article, which one would you say we have emphasized? The number 10, entire sanctification and holiness. And it's an important one. And this teacher, William Greathouse, said there is one which would need to be emphasized more. It's the number eight, repentance. Because if we don't learn what repentance means, we will struggle with all the rest of the Christian faith. What was the first word, were the first words Jesus said when he began to preach? Do you know what it was? You can find that, for instance, in Matthew chapter 4, Verses something like 16 around there. Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. That's his start, the starting point of Jesus. And this start is very important. Now, most of you will say, yeah, I know what repentance is about. We have repented from our sins. We go to church every week. We pay our tithes. What is repentance? Oh, it's when we have done something wrong to say to God we are very sorry. Let's look at the picture of number 8. What is the picture? What do you see? An arrow? What kind of arrow? It's a curved arrow. It's an arrow going in one direction. It stops 
and then goes in the other direction. We are agreeing on this one? So repentance, if you go for the Hebrew and the Greek, for those who like, shuv in Hebrew, metanoia in Greek, shuv in Hebrew means you turn, you change direction, you turn around, you turn back, metanoia, you change your mindset, which is basically similar. So, I'm doing wrong stuff. What do I need to do to repent? I need to stop. I ha- am I done with repentance there? Yes or no? I've stopped. What do I need to do? To do the good stuff. Oh, I forgot this detail. You know what? When you forget this detail, let me tell you what happens. I do bad stuff. I stop. What will I do just after? I will continue to do my bad stuff again. And then I stop. I cry, God, I'm so I do my bad stuff. And it's a battle which is extremely tiring. At one point we will say the gospel, it does not work. And then we will play games to try to justify that we are messed up. Let's give an example practical. Let's, see, let's say I'm a thief. Someone stealing money. What do I need to do to repent? Turn. How do I turn? I stop stealing. Okay, I stop stealing. I cry with great big cry, tears. I'm not a very emotional person, so... What am I done? What do I need to do? Turn. I'm trying. Help me. What do I need to do to turn if I was a thief? I repent, but practical, give me advice, because I can say repent, I don't know what it means. Hmm? Give the money back, yes! Paul will say, if you want to hear, uh, read what stuff I'm speaking about, you go to Ephesians chapter 4. I don't tell you the verse, so you're condemned to read the, the whole chapter. Okay? If you are a thief, let the one who is a thief stop stealing, work with his hands, and become generous. Give back. In some cases you can give back. In some cases you cannot. But you can always become generous. Okay, we get it? Let's imagine I'm someone who is saying harsh words to people. How do I repent? What do I do? I stop. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Am I done with repentance? What do I need to do? I apologize. I'm sorry. I should not have said that bad stuff. It's almost there. You need to learn to say kind words. If the bad habits in your life are not replaced by good habits, you will be stuck. And you will need God's help because it's God who helps you to realize you're doing bad stuff. Without the light of God, you don't even know you're doing bad stuff. But when the God, light of God comes, through his scriptures, through, through people who know at least basics of who God is, you will realize there are things to change in your life. And then you learn to turn away. Do we do that without God, this repentance? No. We do it by the grace of God. It's coming just after what we call prevenient grace, number seven on the graphic, this gift, because grace means gift. It is because the grace of God 
is at the foundation of all we do, which is good. It's leading us to repentance. Paul, Romans 2 verse 4, don't you know that the love of God and His grace leads you to repentance? So when Pastor Jeff speaks about love, it's not CC's love, it's not cheap love. It's a love which invites you to respond in obedience and holiness. When parents love their kids, it's not like a machine delivering love. It's a love which seeks a response. We call that obedience in scriptures. When God shows you love, He expects you to respond in love. It's not an automatic response. It's an invitation to the relationship. God wants us to walk with Him, to walk in His ways. Repentance will be very important. As we finish our time today, I would like that we finish by a time of prayer. And we will do a very simple thing. We'll ask, Lord, is there something you want me to repent of? Something I'm doing, whatever your time in the Christian life, I would like to tell you once you're a good, long-time Christian, you don't do stupid things anymore. I'm sorry that happens. Okay? But let's pray together. Is there something I'm doing, Jesus, that does not please you? And then you don't just learn about the thing you have to stop, but as you pray, you say, what do you want me to replace it with? And if in your heart you have peace and it seems in agreement with what you know of God in scriptures, I invite you, obey, respond, and do it in the coming days. Okay? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, what a joy to be with my brothers and sisters here. Lord, you know how much we can be messed up. But you love us. You don't love us so that we can be happy campers who don't continue to harm others. You love us because you want us to imitate you. You sent your Son from heaven to show us the way. Jesus, you are the way. You are the life. Is there something in our lives which don't please you? Speak to our hearts and help us discern with you what to replace it with. Something good you want us to put in place of this bad thing in our lives. Speak to us, Lord. As you pray, I invite you to do a second step, which is important, because we are a community and we learn much better in community. If you have sent something the Lord wants you to change, ask the Lord, is there someone you would like I share that with, so that this person can help keep me accountable, and perhaps we can together encourage each other to go walk closely to God, closer to God.
Ask him, is there someone you would like me to share that stuff with which is safe? Show us, Lord. Because our walk in holiness is possible only in community. There is nothing like a separate, lonesome, holy person. We need fellow persons in our journey. And that becomes much more joyful as we walk together and encourage each other. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this honor to be with my friends, my brothers and sisters here today. Have mercy. Lead us to walk in your holy love, in your holiness, so that this world would see these persons are different. These persons, there is something of a joy, of a peace. I want that. Help us to be salt. Help us to be light of your gospel in this world. So much in need of this pure and true love which is yours, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Amen. Aren't you glad that we have someone like Stefan and Sandra traveling throughout a large, large portion of the world teaching pastors and teaching our missionaries how to share in many different ways uh, the good news of the call of God on our lives. Uh, thank you. Can we say thank you to Stefan for being here with us today? And they, we are their last stop in the United States. They'll be uh, leaving tomorrow to Kansas City and then the next day from Kansas City back to Switzerland. Father, we pray your blessing upon this offering. We ask that it would bless Stefan and Sandra as they head back to do the work that you have called them to. We pray that those of us who are giving our pledges today, our, our faith promise, what we're going to trust you to help us give, that you would help us to give generously and joyfully, that you would cause us to remember to give monthly or weekly or whatever you have laid upon our hearts and that that money that is given would go to bless missionaries around the world. For we pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And receive the final blessing. And now, may the God of peace Himself sanctify you through and through, wholly, completely, that you may be preserved body, mind, and soul to the end of the day and the end of the age. We pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen.